Something has happened with our uh, video feed, so I cannot see Matt Rice. Matt has sent me a message. I've lost power. I'll be back in a minute. Keep recording. <laughs> so, ministry leaders, let's continue uh, while I fly solo. Am I supposed to tell a weird story now like I did on my solo episode? We shall wait for Matt. Strength will rise as we wait upon the mat. Welcome to Ministry Leaders Anonymous. My name is Chris Bartlett. And I'm Matt Rice, and we hope to provide a moment of sanity during a busy week of ministry. We've both worked in youth ministry for what seems like forever (laughs) and have seen just about everything. And as messed up as we are, we are ready to dive into and bring light to the hurts, hopes, and hungers that every minister has. So it seems like forever because we both actually just got back from conferences this weekend. Different conferences. We took youth out to uh, Steubenville conferences. I went to Lone Star up in Irving. Uh, Matt, where did you go? Oh, we went to Steubenville South in Alexandria. And I actually called Chris on Sunday. Or was it Sunday or it was Saturday? It was maybe. Saturday. You know, it was like we were only a day into the retreat, 24 hours into the into the conference. And I called Chris and I was like, Chris, how do you do this? Because <laughs> it had been, for me, it had been like five years since I had taken youth, you know, to an event like that. And so, um, because most of what I do is is develop leaders. So I'm pouring into young adults and helping them grow as leaders, not necessarily taking youth on, a, on retreats or on events. And so I was like, oh my gosh, it has been a long time since I've been here. And maybe that's why God wanted me there so that I could remember <laughs> what, it, what it's like to do that. But I had to call my friend and say, how do you do this? He sounded like he was drowning. Like, <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to make it to shore. And I was like, Matt, this is how it goes. This is a lot of fun. It's a blast. I was in a really good spot. That's good. And then, but and you then today, told me, you also told me that it's caffeine pills. I said, "How do you do oh, it?" And I, you I, said, "Oh, yeah, caffeine so, pills." I was like, "Oh!" I, but I, I only took two at the whole conference, which is the equivalent to drinking one soda. Oh, uh, okay. Because I'm allergic to corn, and corn syrup is in everything that has caffeine except for coffee, and I'm not a fan of coffee. You don't like coffee, so and no one has a yeah, yeah, no one has gotcha. a bunch of tea, and blah blah blah. Who cares? But it was like. One of those things where Matt was just like spent and I was in my extrovert mode still having a blast. We had a blast at these conferences. Well, and that's where you said something that I'd never like I'd never thought about before. But you said, hey, Matt, I think I'm more of an extrovert than you are. And I never thought about like that, you know, and and I think I've I don't know if I've become more of an introvert, but I went into I went and I turned on my car in the parking garage and I sat in my car. For like an, for thirty minutes to an hour, because I just needed a break, and I was like, "That's an introvert. <laughs> That's an introvert move, dude." <laughs> totally. And meanwhile, our teens they they were regulating everything. You had to have two adults if the teen was going to go up a flight of stairs, and so we were moving as a group of like thirty teens and uh, me and a couple of adults, and we were amongst the teens as good relational ministry should be. Yeah, yeah. And so the teens in the very very front got stopped by security. And they were waiting for like 20 seconds because uh-huh. we were making our way down to this flight of stairs. And we got there and they were just standing there. I was like, guys, what is her name? What is her name? No one thought to ask. I said, hi, my name's Chris. This is our group. And I showed her my <laughs> adult band. And she's like, hi, I'm Michelle. And I'm like, this is Michelle. Everyone say hi to Michelle. This is how we interact <laughs> with human beings, which was me trying to model, you know, discipleship or kind of outreach yeah. because they're not, there's a chance that their security team might not be Catholic. Sure. And then they're like, uh, you know, okay, great. And they all kind of just said, hi, Michelle, and moved on. 
But that might not have been me being like, be a disciple. That might have been me saying, be an extrovert, you uh, know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. I think about these moments, and so sometimes it, it gets in the way. All right, so we have we have gone off on a tangent, and, and this, this is perfectly fine, and I'm having fun. Did you want to finish that, Chris? Did you have something else you wanted to say? Yes, when I say <laughs> it feels like forever, the day after the conference. Yeah. Yep, yep. It feels like you got hit by a train <laughs> and you just come up for air and uh, and it's great. I, and my kids, my time with my family has been absolutely wonderful. But boy, did I feel like I was I was <laughs> groggy. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so what we want to talk about, the reason why we're bringing up this conference and whatnot is when you take a group of people somewhere, whether or, or even if you bring in a speaker, you're doing ministry and taking someone to, I don't know, to, to, to get something from someone else. And what they present isn't exactly what you thought it was going to be. What is your response? And I think you probably have different tiers of what it wasn't what you thought it would be. And I don't necessarily want to say uh, or talk about if it was heretical. <laughs> you know, that's that, I don't, I don't, that's not the discussion I want to have today. You know, or if it was you know completely morally corrupt and wrong. That's not the conversation I want to have today. It's just no. But what if there's a speaker? That, that went towards amazing depth, and you've got a group of really pre-evangelization teens. Absolutely. Or the flip side, let's say you have a group of, uh, of people who are ready for the meat and potatoes, and uh, whoever you've given the platform to, whether it's through a conference or a, a guest speaker coming in, and they stay mostly in the kerygma or kind of the on-ramp phase yep. of sharing the gospel. And so it doesn't meet your needs, and thus... Or, or it doesn't meet your expectations. Sometimes doesn't, it feels like it doesn't meet your needs. Yeah. And so that's the, the situation that, that I was in, is I, I felt like the, the group of kids that I, that I took to this event, they all came, well, they, like in my small group, they, they all came from good homes. Mom and dad are there. They, mom and dad take their faith seriously. They're passing on their faith to their kids. Um, these kids go to Mass every Sunday. They go to Mass on Holy Days. They are involved in the youth group. So these are like almost like the rock star kids that you want to develop into leaders. So these are people that are meeting the minimum requirements <laughs> for the precepts of the church. And they are the rock star kids in that is where we're at in the church today, ladies and gentlemen. Well, but these, so these are the kids that go to every event. Like, and that's yeah. why they're there because you're having another event and they want to be there. Right. Um, and so, but then you uh, sitting in the audience listening they're t- they're most of what they're, they're geared towards, at least my experience at, the, at this particular conference, was towards those kids who don't have a good home life, those kids who don't have a, a, a father who sets a good example for God the Father, those kids who, who don't take their faith seriously, atheist, agnostic, um, who don't believe in all the, everything about the church. And so then I, I started feeling like, and as a ministry leader, you may have this feeling or at some point, you know, in, that you start feeling like, oh man, this isn't for my kids. Or this isn't for my group. Um, my group isn't getting anything out of this. And very quickly, I, I recognized that as a lie. And, and, and I actually, there were two things that I learned about it. One is, yes, this, this event is probably for the unevangelized, for the most part. It is geared for, for that group of, uh, of student. But it doesn't mean it's not for my kids as well. And so as I was sitting there talking to my group, I was like, okay, well, what does this mean? What does this look like? And we can get into that a little bit later. Like, what was my response? But what are, what are your thoughts, Chris? Well, the theme of the conference was belong. And it was the theme of all Steubenville Youth Conferences in the nation uh, over the summer. And I saw that as well at my conference. They were trying to create an on-ramp for people who felt like 
because of a wound or because of a certain situation or because of uh, maybe their relationship with their earthly father versus their heavenly father, that they didn't feel like they belonged as a child of God. They belonged as a member of, uh, of someone who's beloved. And so they were creating all these on-ramps. But what about the kids that already know? Like, you belong as a child of God. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, I, that's been brought up in me for all my life, of course. Then for them, they're sitting there and they're like, they have nothing to to receive or there's a perception, like you said, the lie that there's nothing for them to receive. There's an expectation. But then the flip side of it is, was during adoration, um, which took place twice at our conference, twice at yours as well. Yeah. The Friday night adoration had no music. It was this experience that was very deep. Mm. Like it, it had chant. It was mostly in Latin. And I thought that that was great exposure and certainly spoke to a number of our teens that were ready to go deeper. Mm-hmm. But for most of our teens, they were just like, hey, like <laughs> I have 30, <laughs> 30 minutes of trying to figure out what it means to just be uncomfortable on my knees. And <laughs> and so I, I feel like even for me, if I looked at the conference, I was like, flip them, get the music going on Friday night and go go a little bit deeper on, on Saturday because mm-hmm. we've created kind of a path uh, um, or a pedagogy in yeah. regards to that. So so there were some expectations that were missed on my, on my behalf too. We had a great mix of teens from those who were just kind of entering into their relationship with Christ to those who were, you know, at their sixth Steubenville conference sure. or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. So there's, there's a, I mean, there's a multitude of responses that we can have as ministry leaders when this happens. But I think that the two prevalent responses are, well, crap, this isn't for me this is useless, we shouldn't be here, and to complain about it with your team. Criticize, condemn, and complain. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's a lot of times people will, will go that way. And, and obviously, I'm not promoting that. That is not a good thing. Um, it's not good for you, it's not good for your team, and it's not good for your young people because they are all going to experience this throughout their whole life. So what you want to do is you want to train them up in how to respond to situations that aren't perfect. That, that aren't exactly what you thought they were going to be. Okay, what can we get out of this? So that's what you want to do. You don't want to train them to be more complainers. we got plenty of those in the world. We don't need any more of them, <laughs> right? No, no job openings there. <laughs> yeah. So I almost said, can I get an amen? <laughs> Preach. <laughs> Preach. You know, so then, okay, what is it that we can do looking at this? How can we pivot a little bit and, and help the young people to see what they can get out of this? So in our small group, one of the things that I said to them was, hey, they may be like mostly gearing this towards people who haven't made a commitment to Christ, right? And then that's also on Sunday morning, like they they said, everybody who made a commitment to Christ for the first time, come up. None of my kids did because they've all done that. So I was in this small group and I was, you know, I was talking to these young people and I said, so this may not be perfectly geared towards you. And even though it's meant for the unevangelized, you can still get a lot out of it. And I, and I told them, I'm getting a lot out of this. There are things that I'm, that I'm learning from this that I'm going to take back to my ministry. And what I told them was, you are going to you interact with people who don't believe in Jesus every single day of your life. Whether it's the baseball team or the swim team or through volleyball, you interact with people who don't believe in Jesus all the time. And now you get to watch a nationally known Catholic speaker do that. Talk to people who don't believe in Jesus or who haven't committed to Jesus, and you get to learn from them 
How did he say that? So the next time you run into your atheist friend who doesn't believe in God, you get to actually see or think back to what Matt Fratt said on the stage when he was talking about when he was an atheist and what and how that changed his life. And it was just really like, and so that's how I helped the our young people pivot a little bit and start thinking about it as, as a way for them to get tools um, with which to evangelize. We were on a mission trip a number of years ago and we got there and everyone that I talked to in my small group, they, they divide up, they mix up small groups. So we had people from all these other parishes and everyone except for the kid from my parish mm. didn't go to mass on a regular basis. And I brought all these post-conversion kids and yeah. there were a lot of pre-conversion kids there. And so we had a little bit of youth group time and I pulled my youth group aside and I said, I want to let you guys know that God has brought us here to serve and to share his love. But I think the greatest missionary work that we're going to do might take place in the evening during the programming and during the meals when we're interacting with these people who gave a week of their life, yeah. but might not give much else of their life to the Lord. This is a huge opportunity, and so let's shift our disposition. Same on Friday night, I had my small group meeting, and we went through the questions, and all of them were like, yep, that was good, that was good, we get it, we're on board, we're all in. Everyone in my small yeah, group went to confession yeah. <laughs> on Friday night. And so they, everyone was ready. They were all in already. It wasn't like they had to get geared up. And so I said, great. Yep. So now we're not here to receive, but we're here to give. Mm. And I want to challenge you guys to be missionaries here at this conference. And I, I said, let's talk about what that looks like. How does it mean to share? And the next small group we had at lunch the next day checked in on that reality. How have you been a missionary? And a couple of them had responses. And a couple <laughs> of them were like, ask me again tonight. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't on it. So... It was along the way, we shifted our expectation, yep. and all of a sudden, God still had something for them, something dynamic, something profound. And I think that type of pivoting is, uh, is vital. Otherwise, the vent and lament monster kind of comes out, and it's like, well, it's not what we wanted. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, last year's mission trip had some frustrations to where I allowed that to kind of poison the well a little bit, at least from the leader perspective. But the teens... They had a good ending. The last two days of the mission trip were amazing, and so the whole mission trip was amazing. They don't remember the difficult day number two. That's awesome. Yeah. So before the show, you had said that you agreed and disagreed with what I said about the kind of the purpose of the, of the Steubenville Conference. Um, dive into that a little bit. Explain. Yeah. So there were pieces of the conference that I attended that I felt went deeper than where most of my teens were at. And gotcha. there were other pieces that went too shallow. Mm -hmm. And I actually think that, that we don't want to go to a conference to where they don't stretch far enough, that they're not challenged. And so I think it's okay in ministry for there to be a time where the majority of the audience feels left behind for a time, for a time, that you go yeah. so deep that at least some of them feel left behind. Yeah. And I also think that it's okay that there's part of a time in our ministry where there's people that are hungering for more, but you're creating pathways to bring other people into the fold for that reality. Well, yeah, and I, I can't imagine how, I mean, I mean, I can because it happens in, in most of our ministry settings. You know, when you have a, a group of people that you're presenting to, they are all, I mean, for every single person that's there, they are all in a different place. You know, so there, there were 2,000 people that were in, all in a different place, you know? And so you can't just go surface because 
you lose or you leave, you know, some other people wanting. You can't just go deep because then you lose all of those who are, you know, just they need that tiny little ramp. But I, I would argue that there's times in ministry where it's most appropriate to go deeper and more appropriate to, to stay kind of in more of a welcoming ministry of hospitality disposition. And the challenge is the, the Studentville Conference had to attempt to do all of that. Mm-hmm. And for your experience, they stayed a little bit more to the, the welcoming or the pre-evangelization kind of area. In my experience, Friday night, that adoration went way too deep for where the teens were at, even some of my post-conversion mm. teens. Um, yep. And there wasn't, they, they took a break. They took a 15-minute break in the auditorium, emptied out. Yep. And, and then it was like it was near impossible for people to get back into that spiritual place. Whereas if they just would have played a few chords on the piano and kept the atmosphere that they had built up, I think they would have been able to hold and retain. And I'm not, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying that even the teens that were ready to go deeper it was so jarring that it was like it, it went like three levels up instead of kind of step, step, step. Yeah. What I've learned about this event is going to help me in what we do next time and who we bring next time and the intention we have behind it. So like um, if you have a, a teen leadership retreat, like so even I think Franciscan has one called lead. It's, it's for leaders in your youth group. Now, that conference is going to be deep. It's going to be harder and take people to a higher level because that's the audience of that. If you were to go there thinking it's going to be a pre-evangelization or evangelization thing, you're going to be disappointed. Oh, you, or, you won't be able to go be, there. They have an application yeah. process that would weed that out. Absolutely. But here's the cool thing. Lead participants, because we had two from our program, spend the week in discipleship formation. And they spend the weekend, they're empowered, then they go with their youth group to the conference, they meet them at the conference. And their goal that weekend is not to participate in the conference like normal, but rather to be a living witness of what disciple looks like during the conference. And so those teens got it. And what I'm hearing Mm -hmm. from you is that your teens were ready for that disposition as well to be, I'm a missionary at this conference. And, uh, And that was not your expectation going in. Yeah, you know, and so what what I'll what I'll do next time, and this is again ministry leaders. Whenever you are experience, uh, I guess dissonance in what you expected and what's actually there, what actually happens, where they don't, just don't meet up. Sorry, I, I used a word. I was like, wait a second, I should probably you like, nailed it. No, I means. was like, how many times <laughs> in my life have I properly used the word dissonance? <laughs> I was uh, yeah. Right. I'm just give give him a, a gold star. <laughs> I want to please. Yes. Then you. It helps you to understand, okay, this is what it is. So since this is what it is, that's what I'm going to use it for. I mean, it, like you want to use the tool for the, the right purpose. So at the end of the conference, what I did, I sat down with him and I said, hey guys, now that you've experienced this, now that you know what this is like, you know that it's, it's a great place to bring people who need to be lit on fire. That They could be Catholics, but they, they could be non-Catholics. It could be... Um, people that are marginally Catholic. And so what I want you to do is for this next year, I want you to spend time really investing in and thinking about who needs to be here next year, who you're going to bring next year because you're coming next year and you're bringing someone with you. Yeah, and you're going to journey with them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so that's that's what that's how we can use stuff like that, you know, for the purpose, I think. We both have kids and sometimes they're like, oh, I didn't want, I didn't want mashed potatoes. I wanted mashed potatoes with salt you know what i mean or mashed potatoes with Mm -hmm. gravy and now the mashed potatoes don't taste good 
all of it was nourishing. The whole yep. conference, every Steubenville conference is nourishing and quality. Yep. And Christ was present in all of those moments. Yep. And so if there was a moment that didn't meet the niche specific need of someone in your group or the group as a whole, or they didn't have the feels during adoration or whatever it was, it doesn't change the fact that Christ is present all along the way and he has something for us all along the way. But it's when we come and we say, I'm coming to receive, and God is like, no, right now I've, I've brought you here to give, right? Or we're coming, we're coming there to learn, and he's like, no, right now I want you to encounter, to, to, to be engaged in prayer. <laughs> or, or that healing the whole person retreat we had Bart on one time, and I was coming to be healed of one specific thing, and God had something entirely different to bring healing for me for. And I wasn't disappointed. I was just surprised that we didn't go there. So all that is something worth considering. So Christ is in everything. We don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And I believe that anywhere Christ is, there's something valuable, regardless of where you or your ministry team or the people you serve are in their relationship with Christ. Our job is to be able to allow them to have access to it. And sometimes that takes making adjustments along the way. Some of them are a little bit more major than others. Others are minor. I feel like what you experienced this weekend was really kind of just a tweak in tweaking the teen's perspectives so that Mm -hmm. they could access the Christ that was present as a model instead of a minister right to them. Fair enough? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then there are going to be other times where you're going to have to take uh, a, a bigger turn Straight triage. I, I know. Sometimes it feels like the plane is going down. We got to get this thing back up in the air. And those are stressful times. But looking back, those are some of the most impactful times in ministry because in those times where I've had to do it, the teens or those that I serve have seen how dedicated I am to furthering their relationships with Christ. And so yeah. there's even there's even an opportunity Christ uses to amplify his uh, his presence through us in those moments. And they're watching everything that we do. And so them seeing us find those little gems or make the best out of a weird situation, I mean, they may not do everything we tell them to do, but they will imitate us. Right. And they, they, will, they will see that we behave that way and they will learn how to do that. And so that's a really beneficial thing um, for us to do. I mean, and, and it's not just young people that, that see that and emulate us. I think that in certain events, there's also a bubble that comes along with it. I talked to the teens about a conference bubble. We played this ridiculous game during the conference. They're like, we should make a tournament back at the youth group. And I'm like, no, it's it's not that great of a game. But in the context of the conference, it was awesome because we literally had nothing else to do. Mm -hmm. And it was something for people to do. And so we were all celebrating each other and cheering each other on. It involved sliding a water bottle and getting closest to a certain point. (laughs) <laughs> and we had we had over 200 people watching us at one point, cheering on, and things like water that. Water bottle sculling, is that what that was? Water, uh, bottle curling is what we called it. About, that's what it is, curling. Yeah, bottle curling. <laughs> uh, but, but like, no, they're like, we should do that at our youth program. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But in the conference bubble, it was awesome. It was so awesome in the conference bubble. And I think that people need to remember that, that there's certain times where at the Easter Vigil bubble, Right, these things that seem super intense and important, like changing someone's wet outfit into a dry outfit so they can go receive confirmation, has never seemed so stressful. But mm. like changing clothes actually isn't very stressful. But in the Easter yeah. Vigil bubble, it is. And the bus ride home, the journey through that allowed perspective 
for people to be like, yeah, that was awesome that that happened there. I don't think that could happen anywhere else. Praise God for that moment. Oh, do you remember how we survived this aspect of the Easter Vigil or how we just had to throw someone's shirt down on the ground so no one would slip on the water that was there? That was crazy. And there's this reminiscing that creates relationship that can carry the conference or that experience into the future because you have this shared experience with your group. And those adjustments, those tweaking expectations, those shifting perspectives, those are all things that build relationship as well. So sometimes God uses those moments to create opportunity for deeper relationship in the future. Yeah. In the end, what I really want people to to walk away with is as whatever event you go to, it's going to, it's not going to meet up to your expectations. Like I would say almost every event, um, even if you went to the same event the next year, there's going to be something about it that like, you're like, oh, I wish this didn't happen or I wish this was this. Um, so prepare yourself for that. And when you notice that that like, what'd you, what'd you call it? Some monster? Uh, uh, the limit, the vent and lament monster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When you notice that monster start coming up, think about, okay, where's the gym? Where's something in here that, that I can use to, to make this good, to make this worth it? Because there is, there is absolutely something that you can get from it and, and, and grow yourself and help your, whoever it is, your audience grow as well. Excellent. And it's a lot of fun when that happens, but it requires a radical dependence on the Holy Spirit. Amen. Because we know that something is not going to go according to plan. We don't know what it is. Otherwise, it would go according to plan. I'm very type A. Matt's very aware of this. Um, But the dependence on the Holy Spirit allows us to make those adjustments along the way, or even to see the areas where there's a need for those adjustments. And so all of this, like all of our podcasts, could come back to we as ministry leaders can prepare for this by praying. And there's something neat about what you asked your your guys to do in your small group. Next year, you're going to bring someone to this conference. Because now we recognize kind of a, a, a clear purpose of this conference. And even now, they're starting to think about, they're starting to pray for that person that they're going to invite for the conference. And they're bathing this, in, uh, this participant and the conference in prayer even now. We should do that for every single event because the Holy Spirit will show up. And sometimes the Holy Spirit shows up. Spirit. <laughs> I, know, it was, I was going to let it go. <laughs> I actually wasn't going to say anything that time. Even though everybody else that was listening heard totally that. had the Holy Spirit, <laughs> the Holy Spirit, Spirit um, can sometimes radically change things. There's yeah. there's someone in our office that says, uh, "Pardon our mess, we're trying to change the world." And I think sometimes the Holy Spirit creates a bit of a mess. Amen. And I think it's a beautiful mess, and that this these type of things give us an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to make that mess. Excellent. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. Please, let's continue this conversation online. If there is an experience that you've had that where you turned something into something else that was just, I mean, really fruitful, we would love to hear about it on Facebook. Please send any feedback you have to MLA at ablazeyouth.org and share this podcast with someone. And here at Ministry Leaders Anonymous, we believe that if you want to go quickly, go alone. And if you want to go far, we go together. Take some time this week to pray for other ministry leaders, to pray for big conferences, big events, national speakers, all those different people that people have all these great expectations on and for. We will see you next week on Ministry Leaders Anonymous. God bless.